DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. It's a new year and time for a new you. Davis Vision can help you ditch those glasses or contacts with LASIK. Schedule your free consultation today and save $1,000. Call Robin today at 801-253-3080 or visit davisvisionmd.com and make sure you tell them the zone sent you. Got two questions of the day and they're tied together. Fourth straight loss drops the Jazz into fourth place. What to do, what to do. And Tony says, here's what to do. D-Wade 10-day. <laughs> I think uh, Dwayne Wade would wave that one off. But that does lead us to the second question. Dwayne Wade says the younger generation is going to forget about Jordan like we forgot about Kareem. Do you agree? Jordan said pause on that, PK. It's going to happen, but he's hit pause on it. And he's hit pause on that for two reasons. He's not going to be forgotten as quickly as Kareem. But I think he is going to be, he's definitely going to get pushed to the, to the back of the shelf. I, I think that is, uh, I think that's spot on. Two things have slowed it down, though. One, commercially, he is so wildly successful. And the Air Jordans are still out there, and the Jumpman logo is everywhere. And the partnership with Nike keeps him front and center in a way that Kareem didn't get to stay front and center in the 90s and 2000s. And I also think for a whole generation of sports fans, that 10-part documentary, brilliant. If people could see some of the stories and the games and the rivalries from Kareem's time, it would have kept all of that alive, and people would be aware how good he was. Ten hours of documenting your life, your career, and especially one really dramatic season. I think Donovan Mitchell's a great example. Because Donovan's so out there on social media, at his age, there's no chance he's got memories of living through those three-peats. The first three-peat, he wasn't even born. And I think we can all look back at names we've read or seen on lists That guy must have been good, but I don't have any memory because he's before my time. And who that player is just depends on how old you are. And so Kareem's now on lists, and people have no memory of him. And you talk greatest center, and you go right to Shaq. Will it happen to Jordan? Yes. And Aaron points out in the comments, well, they've already had this LeBron is the GOAT nonsense for years. Right, but if 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 you didn't see MJ and you did see LeBron, I get why you would say this about LeBron. Because he's dominated for a long period of time the way Jordan did. Jordan was in the national consciousness for a decade and a half. And LeBron's moved past a decade and a half. Jordan won the NCAA title as a freshman. He won Olympic gold. He turned pro and started right in on the scoring titles. And had big games and went right at Bird and the Celtics. But if Kareem can get pushed to the back of the shelf, then anybody can. And, and I think you can go before Kareem and say, hey, Bill Russell isn't fully appreciated. Again, some of us didn't see Bill Russell play. But he won 11 championships. I know the league was smaller, but as Russell likes to point out, well, all the best players were in the league. They let, when they expanded the league, they let in more players, the guys who couldn't make the league when it was smaller. 
I beat the best. Okay. Uh, you still haven't mentioned the greatest statistical player of all time, and that's Will Chamberlain. Another guy pushed to the back. No one's even come close to him. No one. The stuff that he did, nobody has even gotten anywhere near what he's done. Can you imagine? Literally nothing. Can you imagine if somebody averaged 50 points right now in a season? With social media, people would be going nuts. Yeah, obviously. And I'm not even sure that was his best season. Uh, when he, when he was uh, when he was uh, 31, he averaged 24 points, 23 or oh, 24 rebounds, 23.8. So 24, he was 24, 24. Oh, and let's see, in an era where shooting wasn't as prominent and as good, he averaged 8.6 assists. Get out of town. <laughs> <laughs> and he played Get out 40, of town. He played 47 minutes a game. He played what? Uh, how many? I think he played uh, 14, 15 seasons. And at not once did he ever play under, under 42 minutes a game on an average. Not, not, not once. He averaged 45 and a half minutes a game. <laughs> <laughs> So I never understood if we're going to talk the best player. Jordan is a product of the now generation. Now it wasn't now. It isn't now then, but it was now then right in the nineties. And so he got a ton of run and he had all sorts of charisma and all that stuff. We get it. Uh, But you brought up Russell and that's great. And I disagree. All the best players did not play in the league. We have no idea who was good enough to play. They weren't scouting overseas the way they were. Uh, there could have been somebody. It could have been one person in Europe who was better and uh, belonged to the NBA, but he didn't. But nevertheless, that takes away from nothing he did. Because when you win in college, you win in the Olympics, and you win in the pros, you're a winner. <laughs> so I, I'm not here to degrade what Bill Russell did in the least. There's just zero question about that. But statistically, I don't see how you do not point to Chamberlain as the dominant, overwhelming. I mean, and really, you talk about we make fun of it. It's not even close. Let's see. As it's tw- not I- even close. His rookie year, oh, let's just start off with 37 and a half points and 27 boards. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's pretty decent. <laughs> Welcome to the NBA. At 20, and he was 23, so back then rookies were a little older, obviously. It seems so archaic to think that Abdul-Jabbar played four years of college. What a waste of time uh, as far as that goes. Now, maybe as a personal development, it was an awesome time. But professionally, he did not need to play four years of college. But those were the situations back then. So I think everybody gets left behind on the newest, latest, greatest thing. 
And I was just reading, well, there's some kid uh, out of Atlanta. I think his, first, his last name is Henderson. He's 17 years old. And he's playing in the G League thing uh, so he can get done with it and get onto the NBA. And they gave up, I think, his last year in high school. And they said, well, he would be in the NBA now, but they got the age restriction. Mm-hmm. So he is, you never know because a few years back, we were uh, force-fed – uh, Jabari Parker is going to be the n- next greatest thing. And maybe he could have been better than he was, but obviously he's been devastated by injuries. So to a degree that's unfair on him. I don't know if he had the athleticism to be that type of player, but you know, cover of sports illustrated, all that stuff. So there's always somebody new. It's the nature of the world. There's always something new coming along and you can go across the board. Right. And so in basketball too, we do this and who's it going to be. And LeBron deserves to be in any, conversation as far as I'm concerned but when you look at it and you go and Dwayne Wade I take his point and I and I buy it 100% because really Kareem can look back and say well what did Jordan do that I didn't do (laughs) you know what I mean there's really nothing that he didn't do that supersedes what Abdul Jabbar did but yet we look at Jordan oh he's just automatically the greatest player of the game I step back and say uh, is he? I don't know that he necessarily is. It certainly isn't, in my mind, a slam dunk. But that's the way we are, whatever's the latest. Jake Scott, and I love Jake Scott, and he has the dumbest take of all time. <laughs> Comma, with, but he has the, the dumbest take of all time. The Beatles are overrated. Oh, yeah, that is a terrible take. Except however, they're not. However, that did lead to several holes worth of laughs the last time we golfed. You had the music on the cart. You cranked the Beatles up. You were lighting Jake up. Gordon was laughing. It was hilarious. Yeah, it just uh, 60 years later, and they, Disney Plus just released all these uh, videos on them. And everybody's on, flocking to it. Just yeah. flocking to it. Right. I freaking ordered Disney Plus so I, can order, so I can watch it. I didn't have Disney Plus. That's why they did and, it. And I found out I had to update my Xfinity, my Comcast box in order to be able to get it. And my daughter says, oh, it's no sweat. Eh, we can do it. So, okay, order the box. The box comes. I open it up. Uh, sweetie, you need to come over. <laughs> <laughs> it's no sweat for you. I'm definitely going to perspire. So she spent Just about... Just call me one, next time, PK. I got well, you. She spent the Monday at our house figuring it out while I was upstairs watching the uh, college final and the NBA. And she came over and she says, now you've got another TV, don't you? I said, yeah, we got this one upstairs. He said, good. Cause this is probably going to take a while. And I know the college football final and the jazz are on tonight. So, and I know you got to wait. I know you got to watch them. So I said, yeah, we're covered. So she and my wife were downstairs for like two, three hours. They got it. And then Tuesday night, I watched, started watching this Beatles thing. So, and they, and they hold all the records. You can look it up. I mean, it, it, but yet they're cast aside because they're old, right? And then two of them are dead. Uh, and if they came out today, they would be unbelievable because they're still smashing records. So this is what we do. So Dwayne Wade's point, I think, is absolutely spot on. And I think it's up to guys like Mitchell and Kobe did this so well to – continue to refresh our memories. And Dwayne Wade is doing this 
by talking about these great, great players. Because those great players of those bygone eras, I fully believe that they would be great players today. And the league is where it is because of those great players. Will Chamberlain up defending the pick and roll at the top of the key and then chase down blocks like Rudy does. That'd be great. If that's what he needed to do, you don't think he could do it? No, I'm sure he would do it. I know he could. He could move. I mean, Will, nobody ever said, Will was agile. So I think Will defending a pick and roll would be wildly entertaining. I think it'd be must-see TV. One year he shot 68% from the field. (laughs) He shot 68% from within two feet of the rim. Yeah, and that year he shot 44% from the free throw line. (laughs) Uh, He sucked there. He was only a 51% free throw shooter for his career. And I managed to get under his skin when I asked him a question. What did you ask him? And what was the event? Now, he... I know, I know we're getting old, PK, but Wilt retired in 1973. <laughs> and you were not covering sports in 1973. I was not. You were a fan, but you were not. No. So what was the event where you got to interview? So it would have been the 90s, uh, early 90s, before I moved up here. Yeah. And he had gotten an award, um, the town of where I, where I uh, lived, San Pedro, they tried to, and they still have it, but they tried to establish a uh, sports walk of fame. Ah. And so they have plaques in the sidewalk. And it was sort of a big deal. They would do it every November. And, uh, and they, had a, they would have a, 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 a luncheon and a ceremony, and they would have it on a, um, a cruise ship because Pedro's right on the harbor. It's, it's literally the L.A. Harbor. That's where the town is. It's that's the LA Harbor is in Pedro. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, they would have this thing. And so he gave this speech and he's just going on about how great it is. So I so afterward we had a little question and answer. And so I asked him, so, well, I mean, you received so many awards. Is this really rank right up there with some of the great awards and he got bugged by the question. You don't know me because if you knew me, you wouldn't ask that question. I said, "Whoa, easy, big fellow." <laughs> you're right. I don't know you. No. Fortunately, he was sitting down, or I would have been way intimidated. <laughs> <laughs> so they had a number of uh, prominent. Uh, most of them were L.A. type athletes. I can remember interviewing Jackie Joyner Kersey, mm-hmm. and she was and was outside, and she was just being mobbed by people and she was signing autographs as she was interviewing me and it was funny because I mean there was just dozens of people wanting her autograph and we were talking about her illustrious career and her husband had actually gone to Pedro High so there was a local connection there uh, so yeah but anyway I got under Wilt's skin so that's one of my claim to fames but I think that's what we do and I, and I think that, uh, that that's what golf does so well and it's a niche sport I get it but the great players seem like they're always around. Yes. And you see them, you know, you've, we've watched literally Jack Nichols age from whenever you start to see him to where he is. And I think he's like 81 now. Uh, and we've seen that and we've seen these guys and they're around. And I think basketball should be doing that too. tout these guys, because there were some great, great players and they'll continue to be great players. This sport, I believe is only getting better. 
Arnold Palmer came and played at the senior uh, golf event up in Park City, and I was supposed to go up and talk to him, and I had to get him during the round. And I can tell you, boy, talk about losing the plot and not being aware of how things work. I was supposed to, they, someone I talked to, you know, at the tournament PR said, yeah, he should be at whatever hole 12 or whatever it was. And uh, that's not a good place to get him. Get him as he walks off the uh, 13th green. That'll be good or whatever it was, right? So, so I was told to go to this place. And sure enough, I would have been late if I'd gone to the other hole and it wouldn't have been good. And so I get there. And I'm just a little bit ahead of him. It comes off. Man, talk about my mouth is just like chalky dry. <laughs> and I'm, I, I'm bothering him during a round. I mean, it was, it was a practice round. Arnold it was a Palmer. senior tour. It was like to talk to people like me is literally the reason he's there. Doing what you're talking about. Selling the game, selling the sport. And I was so nervous. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, of course, he was completely gracious and gave great answers to mediocre questions. It was awesome. Yeah. And so every, think, every sport needs that. Bring, bring, in, those, bring in those guys, uh, or in the case of women's sports now with the WNBA, they ought to be bringing out the people who launched it in the first decade. Because are they about to, or do they just, they just celebrated 25 years, right? Uh, or they're about so, yeah. to. Yeah, right. No. So it's, uh, right. it's, it's how you sell a sport. Yeah. And those players, I, I firmly believe they would be the stars of then – would be the stars of now. In fact, I can argue the stars of then would be bigger stars now. Nancy Lopez would come out and dominate the LPGA now? Uh, I'm speaking of the NBA. I, I, don't, I don't know about that, uh, Nancy. I mean, that's problem with, with, with women's golf, you got a lot of them that end up wanting to be mothers and have families, so their game kind of short circuits, and they don't get the opportunity to continue. Oh, I know, but I'm talking time travel transport. You know, somebody at their peak, and that's the oh, first yeah, yeah, person yeah, I yeah. remember at the peak of women's golf. You brought up, you know, Jack and Arnie. Big I mean, Mama Joanne peak. Carner? You don't remember her? What's I wrong know, with you? I know, again, this is the name that gets pushed to the back of the shelf that I probably ought to know better. Dolph Shays. Julie Inkster, you don't know her? What is jo- wrong with you? I do know Julie Inkster, but Julie Inkster's done a lot of media. Dolph Shays, great <laughs> basketball name, and I know that, don't know anything about Dolph Shays. Yeah, don't. but you know everything about Danny Shays. <laughs> I know a little bit about Danny Shays. <laughs> I just saw a story dusting off the back shelf about there was a it was a Twitter and there was a photo of two sons who were uh, walking wounded, and I had forgotten about the game, but they both caught elbows from uh, the mailman in the same game. Except I had a really good view of Joe Klein getting clobbered, and he led with his face. He completely leaned in. I think, Joe, you had it coming. And the other guy, and I'm forgetting who it, na- who it was now, it might have been Kevin Johnson. That was, well, that was classic mailman. Carl's got to wear that one. But not Joe Klein. Okay. But you forget all those moments. And those games and those accomplishments and how players dominated. And you do move on to the, to the next thing. See, that's why you got to be like BYU and play the Danny Ainge play over and over again. And then you play the, uh, the, uh, the safety. Who was the safety? Comorell who makes the tackle. I feel like not only did I watch that game, I feel like I was right on the goal line watching that play. Except you weren't, and neither was You're I. You're standing on the end line <laughs> watching it happen. At the time, I don't think I knew anything about it. That, that was one of the things I learned when I got here. I knew a lot of stuff about BYU football from following San Diego State, but I didn't know anything about the dive. First time I saw the dive over the goal line, I was like, whoa, why didn't I know about that? 
But the history, the past does sell the future. So I think the the teams and the leagues and the owners who get that, they, they should definitely do that. And, and social media can help with that. It's a place yeah, all that okay. stuff should live. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break. Coming up next, Joe Ingles. So many things to talk to Joe about. He was out for COVID. He got the two T's. Tim McMahon at ESPN is writing a story about the entire league, and Joe doesn't get into it until the second sentence. <laughs> we will talk about all these things with Joe Ingles coming up in 30 minutes. Joe will be here at 9 o'clock. Coming up next, Ken Pomeroy, our college basketball expert and owner of KenPom.com will join us. Stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. Joining us now, David Cantor, agent for Eric Weddle. Of all the players I've represented, I've probably represented 2,000 guys in the last 26 years. He was the most comfortable post-life of any guy I've ever represented. I can't stress this enough. He's never once said, hey, reach out to Sean and and see what the Rams think. It was none of that. This was not initiated by us. This was not a desirous thing. Like, oh, man, I'd love to get a chance to win a ring again. Maybe we should sniff around some of the playoff teams. I did none of that. This is Eric Weddle loving his teammates, has unbelievable relationships. This is for the love of the game. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Mark Miller. DJ and PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. It's time to welcome Ken Pomeroy back to the show, college basketball expert, owner of KenPom.com. Ken, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, Am I in the original or the initial or the normal Joe Ingles spot here? Is that correct? Uh, This would be early for Joe. He might do an 8.30 appearance. He tends towards the 8.45, 8.50, or 9.05. All depends on the schedule, which usually depends when he has to drop his kids off. So there you go. He uh, has gone as early as eight, yeah. So, Ken, I, I don't want to, say, to... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, in honor of Joe Ingles, it would be really cool to get ejected from, from something. <laughs> okay. Keep it up, Ken. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping you can eject me from this uh, interview at some point. Out of here! <laughs> uh, we don't want to bore people with your whole backstory, because a lot of people know it, but there are people listening who don't know that you have uh, cooked up a, uh, a formula to assess and rank all 350-whatever, wherever we are now, college basketball teams in Division One, And you got so good at it that the folks who do the NCAA tournament, the actual basketball committee, started using it as one of their data points as they try to seed the tournament. You've done it for a long time. You've come on our show. You've talked about stuff. Nobody gets them all, but you get a lot of stuff right. And I know you got a lot of confidence in your system, but I'm curious how much your system is tested and how much your confidence wobbles this year because teams are playing, they're stopping, they're starting. Uh, Teams are playing without some players, so they're not at full strength. How much does that really wreck what you're trying to do? And, And how much do you think there's enough information you'll get to March and have a really good idea what's going on? Well, it it is annoying. I will say it is an annoying issue that, uh, you know, games are getting canceled or teams play at partial strength. And my system was never never designed for the kind of uh, 
uh, roster changes that are, are happening kind of on a weekly basis um, this season. But, you know, it was, it was way more of a problem last season. And you could definitely notice. I mean, I, you know, I track the accuracy from day to day of, of all the predictions. And, you know, last year there was a noticeable uh, degradation in the quality of the predictions. This year we're actually pretty close to, to normal for a normal year. So uh, I'm encouraged by that. And in general, I think I think it's going to be okay. I mean, we, we're obviously going through a period here where there's, you know, 10 to 15% of the schedule every day is, is being canceled. But it seems like we are rapidly getting to a point where there are fewer, like, cancellations being announced. Like, there's still, you know, like today you look at the schedule and there's a bunch of games that have been canceled. But they were canceled, like, you know, six, seven days ago. Like, we're, we're not hearing – a lot of news, you know, yesterday or today of, of next week's games being canceled. So, um, so I think that's encouraging. I, I think we'll be, I think we'll be in great shape by the time we get to, to March. Plus, there are going to be more games played this year than last year, so that that will help as well. Yeah, I'm thinking, Ken. The like the Pac-12 has already announced some makeup games. Uh, the Utes are playing at two o'clock on Sunday down in Tempe, or Monday, I think it is. So, with that in mind, they'll play the games more than likely. So if the system is a little bit flawed now, wouldn't it stand a reason that it would catch up? Yes, it would. And I think that's another another good point. Last year when we were dealing with cancellations, they were pretty randomly spread out throughout the year. And, you know, you got postponements or cancellations in late February, like you obviously weren't making up those games. This year I think there's hope that, like you said, so a lot of these games are back on the schedule. And I, I think, you know, with, with, you know, just it's kind of standard – common sense here that if uh, a bunch of teams are getting you know getting knocked out here in early january like you know they're not gonna be canceling games in mid-february so so i don't know if we're gonna end up playing every conference game this year i think that's probably unrealistic but you know you look like even like i was just looking at the wcc and like the most i think gonzaga's had like three games postponed or canceled that aren't on the schedule and that's like the most in the league and you, know, you go back to last year, I think like St. Mary's ended up playing like nine games total, you know, in, in conference. So we're not going to have a, a situation like that this year. So that's that's pretty encouraging. Ken Pomeroy joining us, KenPom.com. So let's just stay with the WCC. BYU got off to a great start. I assumed they were an NCAA tournament team, and it was just a question of where they would be seated, and they racked up some impressive wins early on. They've still got a good record, but they're missing two bigs, and they struggle to score. And I'm curious how much wiggle room they have because I think they're NCAA tournaments. If I had to guess right now, I'd guess they miss it. I'm, but that means that I'm assuming they're going to lose some ugly games on the road, and that that's going to sink them and all that. How much wiggle room? Do, how much of a cushion do they have right now? I'd say quite a bit. I mean, the story in the WCC is that obviously you have Gonzaga; they're they're going to be there, and then you have. BYU and St. Mary's and now San Francisco that are chasing bids. And I think, you know, BYU getting the win over St. Mary's um, last week will, uh, you know, certainly put them as the front runner of those three teams. Like the WCC is not getting one bid. You know, they're going to get at least two. They might get three. And if things work out exactly perfectly, they, they could get four. Um, so as long as BYU maintains that foothold as, as the second best team, um, they're a lock. If they, even if it's close, they're going to be in great shape because what they did in non-conference was better than you know anybody else did in the WCC except for Gonzaga. So, um, so I think they're in pretty good shape. Uh, I wouldn't. I don't know what the the cushion is, but obviously if they 
they lose six or seven games in the league, and they're not in good shape. But here's the thing, too. The WCC is – it's just – it's really set up pretty well for teams to get bids this year. You know, in past years, you, you would have this group of teams, like, ranked between, you know, 75 and oh, 150 or something. And those are teams that, you know, the NCAA selection committee just kind of disrespected. If you lost to them, it was – frowned upon for sure but those are the types of teams that you can definitely lose to on the road if you're uh you know not gonzaga and those teams really don't exist in the league this year like santa clara is there but you know the, the rest of the league is really disappointed the bottom of the league is 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 worse than it, it usually is so uh, that makes the you know the road to avoiding bad losses a lot easier than it used to be and so i think that will also play into byu's hands Project ahead for us and tell us how good the Big 12 is going to be when they have their new members because they're already really good, but they're adding some pretty good basketball programs, man. Do you see them just being even better? Not even better. Not even better. Can't go there. But the thing is, you know, six, at least six of the last eight years, they've been number one, uh, the number one conference in my system anyway. Um, they're going to do that this year. Uh, easily, like they're like just far and away the best league in the country. So, um, you know, you take out Texas and Oklahoma, and and those haven't been exactly like the flagship basketball programs in the league, but they've been good. Like, say, you know, average average programs in that league, which are talking a very good league, and you know, you replace them with uh, the teams you're replacing them with, and uh, they will take a bit of a drop. But obviously, like as long as Kevin Sampson's at Houston, which I don't know how much longer that will be, but um, as long as he's there. You know, you'd expect Houston to be amazing, obviously coming off the Final Four and uh, still had a Final Four team this year, lost a couple of, of their rotation players due to injury for the rest of the season, so it'll be more challenging for them. But um, that program's in great shape. Uh, Cincinnati is, uh, you know, a traditional, you know, solid team, uh, kind of a rebuilding year this year. But, uh, you know, have a great young coach in West Miller, so they'll probably be pretty solid. UCF is probably the weakling of this group, but um, again, they've you know really kind of raised the level of their program, and uh, you know they're having a solid year for them. And obviously, BYU is, seems to be on the right trajectory. And you'd think some of that's tied to, uh, to Mark Pope being there. But if you go to the Big Twelve, like you know Mark Pope's probably going to be there. So, so there's still a chance. It's like you know long term the best conference in the country. Uh, it just. It, it will take a little bit of a step back. We've got to be honest about that. Has the Pac-12 taken a step forward, even if it's three teams that are doing it and nine teams are watching and taking credit for it and taking a bow? <laughs> right, yeah. So, you know, when we talk about leagues, like we just – a lot of times the league membership is a lot more interesting than just, you know, talking about a, a league average. And uh, the Pac-12 is – you know, one of the best examples of that than I've ever seen. Um, You know, I think the general perception in college basketball world is that the Pac-12 is bad this year. You know, there was some some expectation coming off the tournament last year that, hey, wow, they're going to turn a corner and and the Pac-12 is going to be, you know, back to where it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, In general, that has not been the case. The bottom of the league is is really bad. I have five teams ranked outside the top 100, which is – not acceptable for a power conference and uh you know there's really only three teams that are going to be like at large worthy it appears however those three teams are awesome you know like arizona has uh 
I think really been one of the surprises of the season. Like they did not get many votes in the preseason AP poll. And it's easy to like look back on that now and be like, oh, well, we should have known. We should have known they'd be good. You know, a lot of guys coming back, brought in some key transfers, new coach, and it's just all come together in an incredible way for them. Like they're a legitimate, you know, Final Four type team. UCLA, you know, they haven't necessarily set the world on fire to start the season, but, you know, they've been solid and obviously coming off Final Four appearance with basically everybody back. You know, they're, they're a Final Four contender. And then you have USC, which just, just suffered their first loss over the weekend, but um, they uh, they too are going to be a very nice seed. You know, uh, um, you know, Andy Enfield has got things rolling there. So potentially, you know, a, a one, two, and three seed in the NCAA tournament, or a one, two, and two, or a one, two, and four, something like that. But you're going to have three teams that are all capable and will be seated in a position to make a deep run, despite the fact that, as you point out, the other nine teams are just innocent bystanders in, uh, in this whole situation. We have an NCAA selection committee who makes the seeds and sets up the tournament. Any of these people ever get in touch with you and ask for your advice, your insight? They never do. They never do. And frankly, I'm insulted by that. <laughs> I mean, the, the most contact, <laughs> the most contact I've had with them, you know, it was about five years ago, you know, they invited a bunch of, a uh, bunch of us guys out there. I don't know what you want to call us. I'm trying to avoid any sort of, derogatory term but um you know they invited enough guys out there to to advise them on which way that the committee should should go as they were uh you know planning to dump the rpi and move to something uh more advanced to help them select their teams and uh and that was great and i thought i thought wow this is like you know pretty progressive for the ncaa giving a lot of credit and uh you know i had a couple conversations with them after that but really what you know they ended up doing was just kind of going their own way at that point, even though you, as you mentioned, they have, you know, these six other metrics that they, they have at their disposal. They, you know, they created the net rating, which is, uh, you know, kind of a, a bad, a bad copy of my own rating. If I'm being honest, I mean, the ratings are, are pretty similar. The ingredients are slightly different and not exactly clear how it works, but, but they created that rating and, and that's kind of, you know, what they, what they rely on now instead of the RPI to make their selections. And so, yeah, I haven't really had any like significant contact with anybody in the NCAA office for, you know, at least a couple of years, I'd say. Before we let you go, last thing, how many teams from the state of Utah are going to be in the NCAA tournament, if you had to guess right now? Well, you know, it's a little bit of a depressing topic because I think three or four weeks into the season, like it was looking pretty exciting for uh you know, certainly at least Utah State, who's kind of fallen off a bit. Um, the youth, you know, you never really expected them to make the tournament, but there was like some hope, hey, maybe they could, you know, as bad as the Pac-12 is, maybe they could finish like fifth in this league and, you know, have a have a chance to grasp at some straws, you know, at the uh, Pac-12 tournament or something like that. But those two teams look like they're they're not a factor. So I think we got BYU, and I think we got somebody from the big sky, whether it's uh, – Weaver State or Southern Utah, like they're like the two best teams in that league, pretty clearly. And uh, after that, I guess you can grasp it. Uh, you know, Utah Valley maybe winning the the WAC tournament, but um, I'd go with two. I'd go with BYU and, and whoever comes out of the Big Sky. Ken, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Warming everybody up for Joe Ingles. Thanks, guys. Thanks. I, I really disagree with that call you made though about uh, two hours ago. And I would like to punch you in the face.
Can you throw me, can you throw me, can you throw me out of here? Eddie's out of here. You're gone. <laughs> no, if you, if I have to sit here and watch this game, then you have to sit here and watch this game. I think that was Frank Layden got that one night when he was trying to get thrown out. It was a bad game. And the ref knew what he was doing. He's like, no, you got to sit here and watch this game. I got it too. All right, thanks, Ken. We appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. Ken Pomeroy. KenPalm.com. We'll have him on later on in the college basketball season as it gets closer to the NCAA tournament. All right, the Joe Ingles Show, 15 minutes away. Lots to talk to Joe about, as Ken was just uh, mentioning. Getting kicked out, coming back from COVID, ended up in an ESPN.com story about trash talking in the NBA. We'll get to all of that with Joe in about 15 minutes. Stay with us. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Aaron Rodgers is terrific. Aaron Rodgers is very mad. That'd be weird. He wins the Super Bowl and, and bolts. But that's his style. That's totally his he style. He would love to do that. He would love to do yeah. that. He's never going to be happy wherever Still he goes. Still going to be mad. He's an angry guy. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Every day from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. PK, we got a lot of learning to do. Teach me. I can't because I got a lot of learning to do too. Well, you learn but first then. TCU Horn Frogs, two time all Big 12 defensive end. I can't even pronounce his name. Ochan? Ochan? O C H A U N. Mathis enters college football transfer portal. Do we know the history and the trends with all 12 teams in the Pac 12? Who's been up? Who's been down? Who recruited poorly? And who lost uh, key transfers and gutted a program? And, and so we know all of that. And in the Big 12, I just don't know it. So he's a four year kid. He's got one year to go. TCU looks like they're going to be rebuilding under a new coach. I, uh, he's a Texas kid. I assume he goes somewhere nearby and tries to win more. He's not going to the NFL, he's in the transfer portal, but. You always talk about we have a lot to study and a lot to learn about the Big 12. We know a little bit about TCU from the Mountain West days. Losing a two-time All-Big 12 defensive end, that's a, that's a blow to a new coaching staff. Oh, yeah. Obviously, man. But what is TCU doing in the transfer portal? Because I saw a story, I think Yacht retweeted it. Somebody has Jackson Dart, uh, Old Miss, TCU, and who's the other one that he's interested in? Uh, Oklahoma, so, Oklahoma, yeah. And those Oklahoma. are the, so those three. I, was, I read the story. Those are the three he's expected to visit this week. That's a kid yeah. from the Pac-12 footprint going outside the Pac-12 footprint. Now he hasn't gone yet, just because he's visiting. Well, but my point is, so if you replace somebody with somebody better, but you know, if you're all Big Twelve, obviously you're pretty good there. But TCU's in a little bit of a rebuilding, as you say. Anyway, that's what yeah. basically got. Our man, what's his name, uh, the coach there, Gary Patterson, got him sort of forced out, basically. Uh, he'd been there for such a long time and was so successful, but it had gotten a little stale. And in college football, you know, what are you going to get? And we're seeing it in the NFL. You know, you basically now the NFL is two years. College football, are we going to get to that point? Two years? Yes. That seems awfully, awfully short. Yes. Uh, two years. Two, that would be outrageous to me. Especially because nobody gives you, you don't give out two-year contracts <laughs> to, to hire somebody. So you're paying out money. And the funny thing is, you know, we, we heard so much about, oh, the, we're losing $30 million and we've got to raise this money and that money. And then you look at what, what did I see? The college football coaches uh, collectively are getting like $10 million in bonuses. Yeah, it's up uh, like so 14. Whittingham is getting 
a $600,000 bonus for all the accomplishments. <laughs> he doesn't make enough. Mm-hmm. You got, you got to give him a bonus like that. I mean, so I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear this stuff about, well, you're, you're underwater money wise at COVID and whatnot. I mean, COVID's not over. I don't think anyway, if I, you look at the numbers, seems like they're going, I realize games are still going on and all that stuff, but the money that's being spent is just so outrageous and all in a pursuit to win. And yet, and yet in the Pac-12, they're not spending enough. Even though they're spending outrageous amounts of money, comparatively, they're still not spending enough. Like It's what Freddie J said. It's never going to end. <laughs> it's not going to end at UCLA because they are working on a contract extension for Chip Kelly, 24-7 Sports, with a story about that. And yeah. he's over $5 million. He's seven games under five hundred. But over five million, and he's he's they either have to let him go or give him a new deal because he's going into the right. last year of his five year deal, and you right. can't ask someone to recruit at a high level in that situation. Now, how much of the money will be guaranteed? What do the outs look like for both sides? So there's some wiggle room in what this contract looks like, and it is trending up. I mean, the eight wins is the best season that they have had there in a while. So yeah, but even that's relative. The league's down, and he beats teams with losing records. Somebody in the comments, yeah. and I don't know that this number is right, but I suspect it's at least ballpark accurate, is that Chip is 2-22 and against teams with winning records. That's not good. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> now, off the top of my head, I can think of a lot of examples that make me think, even if that number isn't exactly right, it's ballpark. The Devils got eight wins this year, and they only beat one team with a winning record. And you know who that team was? UCLA. Yeah, that's it. And that, I did know that stat, and that was one of the things that made me think, yeah, they're onto something there with Chip. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we thought this year there, there was a bunch of coaching hires. I think next year might actually be crazy. In the Pac-12, or you think? Yeah, Pac-12. Industry-wide, okay. Pac-12. How many jobs are turning over? Who's on the... Who's on, who's in trouble? ASU could open. Well, we just uh, named two. two. UCLA could open. Yeah. Uh, Cal and Stanford, maybe. We'll have to see how those go. Um, well, Oregon and Washington just opened in Washington State, so I don't think they'd be changing. Uh, or, you, Oregon State, you know, if they win, if Oregon State gets even better next year, they their job could be open for the other reason. Even better? Seven and six. Even better? They got to be even better. Right. But if he goes <laughs> no, down with eight or nine games, he no. could get a job. You know he could. But, I mean, you acted like they were awesome. If they're even better. Well, they're like, way they're Like way, they were better this year. They're way better than they were. Okay. They've got two and three lost seasons. You get Oregon State to seven, I think people start and, noticing. If you get to eight or nine. Two and three win season, not lost seasons. Right, two or three win seasons, yes. So if you turn a two or three win team into a seven win team, and then you back it up with eight or nine, yeah, he'll get a job offer. Well, he was. Plus, there's a big-time proven winner sitting out there. Who's that? Ur- Urban Meyer. Oh, yeah. Come on. They're not going to go. He'll be 58 years old, and he'll be he'll probably be raring to go. ASU, ASU. Well, I, I don't I don't know wherever. I mean, and, and he hasn't coached in this conference, so they can kind of camouflage it that way. And plus, he whatever he does, if he gets hired, he'll be able to spin it. He's he's the master spinner. This will have to be his best work yet. Then <laughs> I agree, but this, he this can will get it done. More spinning. 
He can get it done. When we come back, the Joe Ingles Show, next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.